Um, so this is on pages 19 through 21. Um, okay. And this is Zadie's experiences in the front lines of Operation Barbosa. I feel like you can really see like the horrors and struggles that come with war, like the dead bodies and essentially like the enslavement. And I feel like a lot of people, or especially in Holocaust books, because it's focused on the Holocaust, they usually like skip over or very, very briefly describe what the war is like. Um, and I thought it's actually like really cool and interesting how the Holocaust book focused a lot on war. And I know that that's how Zidi's life was. Um, I just like thought it was really cool that you were very, very descriptive about the war. Um, I, I did that with intention um, because um, I wanted to provide a bit of a service uh, to the readership because most Holocaust memoirs we do read are just focused on the uh, protagonist's uh, travails, on what the person's experiencing, whether he's uh, in a concentration camp or on the run, or a partisan in the forest, or, or uh, forging documents uh, to help people escape. We forget that there's a global war going on. Um, and the only time you actually see war are in uh, Steven Spielberg movies, or HBO movies, or things like that. You don't really ever get a combination of the two. Um, uh, a Band of Brothers, I remember, if, if you've seen uh, this miniseries, um, combined, yeah. combined this towards the end, um, when uh, the troops uh, came upon a concentration camp. And I remember watching that, how, how mixed up it all was, and how really, we've never really seen that on screen. You had, you had people in concentration camps, and you had a global war, and it seems like in our culture the two things are completely separate. But they're not. There's a reason that people are in concentration camps. Because there's a global war. Because there's a guy trying to take over the planet. Hello? So, so I took a, a moment to illustrate what was going on and why people were where they were in survival stories. Our being in a in the book is, is to show you why and how Zaidi is in certain places at certain times. Because somebody made a deal with somebody else because somebody invaded somebody else that's how he is here now um uh and i'll give credit to my publisher amsterdam uh, publishers um many of the books that are written are written with a focus revealing this kind of stuff besides for the survival story of the person who we're discussing there are reasons for why that person is in the spot that they are um so i expanded on that a lot so, uh, and, and the ugliness of war is, is, uh, is front and center. Um, and I don't think I was too gruesome, but I was descriptive. And I think it was important to reveal that as well. Uh, and that was, uh, that was why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Having the, both, the cannibalism uh, piece, was, I mean, there were was, parts uh, that were writing bit, that was writing. Uh, the part that really sticks out to me the most that it's related to war, but not actually about combat itself was the cannibalism that occurred. Yeah. So I think you were able to hit both the gruesome uh, parts without writing it too uh, focused on only the blood and um, bloodshed and I, whatnot. I really could not be uh, any more descriptive or graphic than I was, but it was necessary to describe the circumstances that brought that about. 
Um, and uh, won't reveal what happened, but uh, uh, my grandfather was was faced with the specter of 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 uh, of uh, possibly partaking. So uh, uh, he he managed to uh, navigate. Yeah, and then um, for the third one that we have, and this one is page um, 24, so this was this was more for me, I guess, mm-hmm. though I'm sure Stephen can definitely relate. Um, yeah, yeah. So when, when his family received the uh, false message that Zadie was dead, you know, he, had, he has arrived, euphemism for death, um, I, I just couldn't help but feel some sadness over it. I, I know it was a small part of that chapter, but in the context of the Holocaust, it left me wondering uh, and reading just to see if they would eventually reunite. When I was uh, interviewing Zaidi, um, it didn't really hit me that what happened is what exactly happened. It was only after I dusted off my notes and the, and the video where, where I had to internalize, wait a second, they thought that he was officially dead and they mourned his death before he was even gone? That's just... It, 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 it's difficult to get your head around. It really, really is. It's, it's almost like it's troubling um, um, to just, to just uh, contemplate what kind of a reality that is. Um, and again, I, I, I try to describe the scene, his, his, his mother's reaction to his apparent death and uh, you know, no no spoilers here, but but she she goes to her death in Auschwitz, um, having mourned her dead child a long long time ago, and probably thinking about him all the way to the end. And just just that in itself just is a layer of tragedy. That's uh, that you know what it had me down <laughs> when I when I put the the pen to paper or or finger to typewriter to 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 write this out. It was. It was very deeply um, emotional for me. This part specifically, it really, I cannot imagine uh, the circumstance. It, 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 it feels like fiction, but, but it wasn't. Unsettling, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It, it was just really and the fact that they weren't able to reunite after I feel like was the saddest part because then there was no closure on that other than yeah. you know a couple of the um, survivors but yeah but there usually was no closure like so many families were just left remaining fragmented nope it uh, wasn't that was uh, and I this think one was, like, it was difficult to bear like, there's, uh, there's a lot of like, hopeful parts of the book wanted, because my grandfather was striving for life and striving to survive and doing the best he could but that is a thread um, that does not get tied up at all uh, and it is, it's, uh, it's a low part of the book to, to be sure but, but uh, part of the reality of the story yeah and then on um, pages 32 to 33 uh, sorry I'm just a second. Yeah, so on pages 32 to 33, not only, I, I just, we were thinking, uh, like, not only does this serve as like a point of suspense, but also a way to like further exasperate the horror of war. And we're referring to the cannibalism uh, part of the yeah. book. 
Like consume, consuming human flesh is just such a vile act that it almost makes you non-human to do such a thing. Came down to based on the fact that they were running out of supplies and food. Um, and this is one of the things uh, that the Russian army had to face. Uh, this is a, a totally hidden, uh, uh, opaque piece of World War II history, very undiscussed, um, but was part of the reality, part of what they faced. Moscow was under siege and supply lines was zero. Um, and and this is what they were faced with. It's It's kind of... Yeah, I think like a lot of people. Yeah, sorry, sorry. What? Yeah, like I think like a lot of people. I think because there's a lack of uh, Soviet or Russian work that's out there based on World War Two that we don't see it as much. But what Russia went through, especially after the operation of uh, Operation Barbosa, after the or of Operation Barbosa, they were they had the most deaths out of ever any country in World War Two, and that's what led to them thinking that they needed more during the Yalta plan and so forth. I mean, yeah, cannibalism had taken place. Yeah. They yeah. had such a deprived soldier force, civilian force, just life uh, force. Correct, people, people, we as a people, culture are mostly yeah, focused, people. as we discussed before. Uh, and I think that's just something that we don't necessarily take into um, account because there's yeah, nothing for us to take into account because it's just a lack of literature work. And what we memorialize. Um, but I happen to know the number. Uh, uh, Soviet Union lost 25 million personnel, and there were 45 million deaths in World War II. 25 million. And at Operation Barbarossa, they actually lost 1.5 million soldiers. They, they bled like, like nobody's ever bled before. Uh, and people don't even realize these numbers. And when you, when you say them in front of a pulpit, you get, you get like shocked stares like, what? Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Hello? You weren't talking. That's why you don't know. But, but 25, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it just didn't happen. Like even Stalin even had... Yeah, absolutely. Stalin yeah. even said, yeah, it's absolutely. a very famous quote, he said that World War II was won on American steel, British intelligence, and Russian blood. Just really, just to show... Yeah, yeah. I mean, people just like totally neglect the fact that that'll happen and what Russia went through during the war. And it's also something that not only to take into account for historical purposes and how like vile and disgusting this is, but it kind of shows you the rise of uh, Soviet, uh, the Soviet Union read, and like uh, why they were so aggressive lives. in their expansion the afterwards because they felt as, as well. if what they had deserved mirrored the amount of losses that they lost, Russia's the amount of lives that they've lost. is not the greatest in the world, um, uh, in huge part because once you lose 12, they, these children, the children of the 25 million missing didn't even have grandchildren. So you've got like hundreds of millions of potentially born people The labor force is born. absolutely depleted. They, yeah. Right. Well, you can't live in, in like uh, two thirds of the country. So, so small part compared to their size, they're <laughs> only at they're at half of what the U.S. is right now. They're like one forty-seven million, and they're the largest country on earth. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, yeah, fine, good point. Yeah. But, but still, you know, you would like, think. And the people who couldn't fight are either really small or really old, so you, you lead to, like, this drain of, of the population that you need that are, like, mature, uh, fertile, um, and able to basically pull the weight of a country. And those are the people who are also the soldiers. So you're losing a country, and even though they maybe had civilians remaining, those civilians Correct. are and ones that their problems are only beginning. Reproduce, they've just they've just uh, eliminated um, hundreds of thousands of human beings from from their military corps and their labor force. Those who carrying the weight of and, the majority uh, <laughs> of the weight of the country. Yeah. the next one uh steven maybe you'd like to explain yeah um so we like on page 60 you'll see we really enjoyed the quotes that you included in the beginning of the chapter with albert camus and seneca and like the atmosphere it just creates has like a lot of hope in a desolate place and when you focus <laughs> on like war cannibalism thank you so it's basically uh, i call it my feet to look for something that fits might be pandering a little bit yeah. Um, but in front of these two, ch this chapter with this certain quotes, because there was something powerful about um, Nick's rising chapter, um, because um, Zaidi goes from being a slave to basically being born, uh, and, and he he rises uh, to, and he opposite um, physiological journey. Uh, that most people did in World War II, he got stronger and fitter and more mentally acute. Kind of like a hero um, archetype. We have, I have some pictures of him right after World War II. He is a solid, handsome, wiry, built human being. He, he, was, he was forged uh, under Thor's hammer. I mean, he was just uh, pulverized into fitness. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing that happened because it's another piece of the story that, that's, that's startling. I mean, most people come home despondent and weak and broken and, and, and bereft of, of sinew and flesh, but, but he came back just uh, a man, just, just totally, totally you know, remade, reborn. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a kind of another just extraordinary piece uh, of the tale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's actually really cool, it's fine. Flexion. Yeah. And, um, yeah. for, um, page 94, uh, so just the reflection of his yeah, life, and this was after, of course, the, all the events the that have unfolded. Chapter because so I thought that that and his customs, it added more personal connection to uh, Zadie uh, as a person, yeah, that, that's not my, just as like the topic uh, of this novel. Uh, most personally and directly. Because after the war, he was every other part of the story is what he told me about his life. And the memory chapter at the end is everything that I knew about him. First, he became my, my dear grandfather, and... You know, we had uh, all the holidays at his house, and all Passovers were at his house, and I went to him for breakfast after uh, after Shacharit every day during the summer, and uh, I hung out with him during the summer on many occasions, and, and we were close. Uh, and there were a lot of just fantastic, fantastic memories. Um, 
it, the that chapter almost didn't make the final cut to make it into the book. It was a bit of a discussion uh, with the publisher about about uh, its meaningfulness, and I was like, I yeah, this got to go in. Yeah, this is this is everything. This is this is the consummation of his life. This is this is now so everything about him as 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 a person uh, from the eyes of the writer of the author of the grandchild. It's, it's got to go in. Yes. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, finally, I want to combine these two. I have we have them written down as separate, but really they're about the same topic. So, hi, it's Oz. Um, in the original video, there was an auditory glitch during this time, so I'm gonna repeat the question now. So. On page 103, the shift into the background of the book, Zadie's War, and its creation was unexpected and, frankly, something we enjoyed to read. It was very unique, to say the least. And on page 106, the brief history timeline was very concise and interesting. Anyway, back to the video. I think that every piece of this book is absolutely essential um, to give a full picture of, of, of the life of Vincent Malik. Um, and the genealogies... Um, some people might think are frivolous, but they're not because they are deeply, deeply, deeply meaningful to family members uh, and to uh, lots of folks who think that where you come from matters, and that's that's the message behind this. Show you what some of the difficulties I had in the fact that I've included the genealogies in the end um, and the fascinating genealogies, and they mean something. Uh, and the interviews in taking all these discordant uh, thoughts and setting them up in a linear uh, storytelling. Um, and I basically, it was really hard to do. I, I had to keep revisiting the text to see if is everything exactly in order, is everything just right. Um, and I managed to do it at the end of the day. Many writers do this, uh, is you know take source material that's fragmented and put it all together. And I basically showed a little bit about uh, how that worked and what I went through to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess yeah, that's cool, that honestly, mind. like... Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm that's not really yet, cool. but it's I intend to. It's on my TBR. Made, like, I mean... Like, honestly, like, when I read it, I was, like, kind of, like, what is this? And then, like, I mean, like, I was fine. I was just kind of, like, kind of, like, shocked at the very abrupt shift. Um, but, like, when you kind of read it, uh, have you ever read The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. Uh. So I don't want to spoil you, but, like, the end is, like, so odd. Like, there's this one there's chapter similar, that like, shift in, uh, frame. shoots 150 years and with no context at all. So you kind of just, like, assume. Also, I had been, like, we had been told beforehand. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, gonna it's read kind it. of like that at <laughs> first. At first, and it's not for all readers, but I definitely, and Oz and I definitely enjoyed it. Um, you you like see it and like at first it takes you aback but then you kind of read it and like it's cool like you build the whole puzzle and then all of a sudden you just like read why the instructions were made and why they chose this puzzle piece to create 
Yeah, and I. It, it also yeah. got you. Uh, made you closer. Uh, yeah, thank you. I more mean, closely uh, connected yes, to the, that's the people whole being talked about. Like uh, before, write, beforehand, third, you know, you have Zadie and you have his story being told from. Voice. Uh, Third person um, perspective, really but then actually after listening to him, are there right explain now. it in the transcript. Uh, and then we took it uh, in his own way. It, uh, the personal level that also added it added like another. Uh, it added more flavor so to the to book. Reflect I want to say uh, that that's that was <laughs> the reality. Uh, and also, it shows you a little bit how uh, my grandfather was a little, was feisty, <laughs> and it comes through uh, in the interview as we challenge each other, asked for things to be clarified. Um, so it's uh, I, it was uh, charming. I think uh, to to see him in that life, instead of him being written about, he gets to speak for himself. I think that those were our main comments. I think those were, I think we managed to hit everything that we wanted to hit in this interview or in book review. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and for yeah, anyone that's listening things. right now, we highly recommend this book. It was an amazing read. Lots of you action. Already read and it. History. Yeah. Well, yeah, ideally you should have already read it. But in case you decided to not listen to us, we recommend it. <laughs> yeah, we recommend it. And even if you've already read it, I mean, the next best thing is share it to anyone who you think would uh, be interested and honestly just benefit from reading it, benefiting from that other perspective. Um, because, like, oftentimes, and I fall victim to this going to, like, a Jewish day school, you learn about the Holocaust every year, and it just kind of just, like, becomes an eyesore because you're like, all right, I already have my PhD in Holocaust education. I don't really need this anymore. But um, there, honestly, through all three of our book reviews that have covered the Holocaust, um, one was more typical but still provided serious insight. One was a Holocaust book that centered on a reflection, not a contemporary reflection, and not a reflection on the 1940s, but after actually a reflection on the 1960s, um, showing like the reflection. Um, yeah, shout out to Rosalind Bernstein. That was a great interview. And this shows another facet of the Holocaust. So this kind of just shows like that you honestly can never really know enough about really any historical era. And there's so many perspectives. Um, so we urge there's you guys. There's never just to, one story. Yeah, we urge you guys to um, push those bounds as well. And if you have any recommendations on who we should uh, do another book review, drop that in the comments below um, but if it's older than 18 video because we need to do that for some of our videos um, just feel free to email me um, Mr. Bodek do you have anything to say? Thank you guys. Logging out. Like, comment, subscribe. Mm -hmm.